What's up, everybody? It's your host, your boy, George McKay. And I'm Uncle Bobby B, baby. That's right. Yeah. yeah. All right, ladies and gentlemen, you can notice the new look. Revamped his face a little bit. As well, someone's revamped their hair. 1990 called. They want their style back. Well, I wish uh, I could call 1990 and get my hair back. So so can I. That's why I, I usually I, wear hats. Most I, of the I just time. told my barber, do something that makes me look less bald. Less bald. <clears throat> and this is what I got. So well, speaking of less bald, there was a whole lot of uh, hair pulling moments out today. Oh my god, moments indeed. We're gonna get into all that. But this is the MLW Rewind. I am your host, your boy George Mackay, and this is I'm Uncle Bobby B. Baby. There you go. If you're confused, ladies and gentlemen, just want to make a huge announcement. Thank you to everyone who's recently subscribed to the channel. We appreciate you. We are at 490. That's huge for us. We're literally 10 away from 500. That was the goal for May. We're well ahead of schedule. So by the end of May, if we can get those extra 10 subscribers, we'll be amazing. And uh, we're ever so closer to the 5150 goal that someone laid out. So uh, that's if we get 5150 subscribers. Rob will put the bill for 5150. Anyways, no. All right, so this week's MLW was all kinds of great. Again, with MLW as it goes, steady incline of everything. Uh, every episode leading to the end of a season is always fantastic. And this one was no short of its surprises, its twists, its turns, and a lot of good stuff. Should we get into it? Let's get into it. All right, so we start off the day with a trios match. We had Gino Medina versus Mini Abismo. Sorry, not versus, with Mini Abismos and Eris or Aramis. No, it's Eris. It's Eris. Eris. And uh, they were facing Puma King, Octagon Jr., who we talked a lot about when they went down for the first Aztec Underground. He had some great matches over there. They brought him over. And St. Laurent is back. Spotlight is on him. He's taken up valuable TV wrestling time to announce Microman has returned. So Microman is a third man for that team. So there's your trios. And this was a great match, always entertaining. Um, the one thing I will say is uh, a lot of times I found in this match, there was a lot of times where wrestlers were standing around waiting for the move sets to happen. And I know that's not the case usually with Lucha. I just feel like they were trying to pack so much in that they were really struggling to get those spots. Therefore, instead of kind of milking them with brawls, there was a lot of standing around waiting for someone to be in perfect position to hit the spot. But that was the only drawback to this match. It was incredibly entertaining. Microman did his thing. Uh, at the end of it all, they win. Octagon Jr., Puma King, Microman. They embarrassed Gino Medina again. It was a great trios match. It's always entertaining when these Lucha wrestlers who were on Aztec Underground do come over. They do make their American debuts. Uh, again, we saw the debut of uh, the American debut of Puma King and of Octagon Jr. So it was great to see those two guys teaming up with Microman. Always entertaining. And again, everyone got their spots in. Uh, again, took a little bit longer to set the spots up. But once they did hit them, they were pretty, as they always are. What did you think about this match? I enjoyed it. It was a lucha match. There was a lot of spots. Like you said, sometimes they were waiting for spots. Kind of, it tends to happen on those outside dives because they're, I guess, being extra safe, making sure nobody cracks their head open on the ground. We've seen what happens when that happens. Mm -hmm. uh, but it, it was a good match. Made good use of Microman. Uh, I, I really liked the finish. That was a... a that move was executed flawlessly, that spin around into the, the roll. Yeah, so what happened at the end of that was that uh, Mini Abismo picked up Microman at one point, and somehow he he snaked around his arm, but it looked like he did a full 360 it, around Mini it, Abismo. It literally arm. looked like he just did a rotate complete rotation around his arm. It was fantastic. It looked amazing. The pin, everything about it looked great. And, you, you know, despite Microman's obvious size disadvantage, it still was convincing that, like, he hit him with that move and he pinned him with it. Like, it, it was... It was good. I, I I like MLW has these matches. 
it's one of the benefits of MLW is you get that variety of match style. You're not stuck with one type of wrestling. You get a little bit of everything. Yeah, we talked about it too during the match. I actually said it myself. I said, this brings me back to WCW of old. It brings me back to that cruiserweight division yeah. that was so highly regarded. The undercard division, which quickly became the main event of WCW. It was in the later years, especially, I want to say from 98 to like 2000 was one of the main reasons I still tuned in was because the cruiserweight division was always entertaining as fuck. I mean, you think about the guys like Billy Kidman who came up through there, Eddie Guerrero, Rey Mysterio, uh, Psychosis, know, Psychosis, Juventud Guerrero. Juventud Guerrero. They all really made their names during that whole kind of era. That well, they made their they got their American exposure, and that Absolutely. was that was one of the reasons I was such a huge WCW fan was I'd never seen Lucha Libre stuff right? like that. Like before, I was yeah. I was maybe 10, 12, 11 years old when I started getting WCW and seeing like that style of wrestling, and just my mind was blown. And that during the Monday Night Wars, that was something that always kept me going back to WCW. Besides the obvious stuff that was going on, but that uh, that cruiserweight division was so exciting, and to see guys like Rey Mysterio just mind blowing. So it's fun that uh, I can tune into an American promotion and see very sim- very similar style of wrestling that I used to watch growing up, and I love that about MLW. Yeah, so if you're a fan of that time period, this is something you can definitely sink your teeth into. And if you don't believe us, go ahead, pause, rewind. We'll wait, check it out, come back. Follow the rest of the recap with us. Now, the next thing we get, we get a little Alex Kane promo, but it's kind of filmed much like those vignettes that they've been doing with Jacob Batu and Alex Hammerstone, filmed very cleanly. Uh, it's Alex Kane, Mr. Thomas, kind of talking about Alex Kane. I'm not going to say so much running his mouth, but basically kind of laying out everyone he's ran through since he's donned that open weight strap, how he's literally put everyone uh, out quite convincingly. Uh one time only twice, maybe with Mr. Thomas's help when it came to the whole Calvin Tankman situation, but pretty much laying everybody out and still kind of running his mouth about Tankman. So this feud is far from over, even though it ended uh, abruptly, it's still well far from over. Uh, Tankman and Kane will fight again, and it will be for that open weight strap when the time is right. Uh, then we get Emilio. He's kind of creeping, kind of stalking, like watching his sister's friend through the uh, doorway into the shower, if you will. And um, what? I, I, did you do that? I never did that. No, I never did that, but it was creepy. What it was is this, weird. Porkies? Yeah, well, that's what it felt like. It did. It felt like. Well, it did. Like, look, Emilio, like that's, that, I, you're getting your scoop. I get that. But you're when you're peeking in doorways of people's dressing rooms, that's a little. To the point where EJ looked pretty upset. Like he came out, he's like, Emilio, what the hell are you doing? And he's like, listen, the world is waiting. We want to know who your partner is. And Aduka pretty much just said, listen, you will find out when the world finds out. Emilio tried to ask another question, and Duke could just cut him off abruptly, saying, Turbo, you gots to go. Yeah, you're done. You're done. Slammed the door in his face. Said, so Emilio was left without a scoop. Pretty much the only backstage correspondent that they have now since Alicia has tied her ties to Richard Holiday, and they are the clout couple. Holitude. Don't say it. Holitude. All right. <clears throat> then we get Ken Broadway making his MLW debut. Now, this is a man who, uh, if you've watched AW or AW Dark in any form or fashion, you have seen him on there quite a bit during the pandemic time. Uh, he had an impressive showing. I mean, I don't think he ever captured a win in AW, but the matches were pretty entertaining. And he's going up against Quan. And Quan is still donning the Contra banner, as we know from last week. Quan uh, is uh, still part of Contra, being rebuilt in Max Kruger's image. So it's Mads Kruger's contra, not Joseph Samuel's contra. Mads Kruger's contra. Yeah. That's so. what's happening. 
So Quad is still very much affiliated with Contra, but he also wants to cut his teeth on his own, try to get back in the W column, and um, pretty much dusted Broadway rather easy and very quickly, which disappointed me a little bit. I know Quan is talented, but so is Broadway. I felt like Broadway didn't really get a chance to uh, do his spots. Every time he tried to get momentum going, Quan was obviously way faster and was able to cut him down to size quite convincingly. But the match was pretty much a squash match. It lasted longer than your typical butt-heavy match, but still was a straight-up squash match. And I, I thought uh, a talent like Ken Broadway, who I have seen, really have a great move set. Didn't get a chance to shine in this one. That was my only beef with this match. Well, <clears throat> you never know. This might just be the first of many appearances for Ken Broadway in MLW. So hopefully they bring him back in. You can see a lot of potential there. Uh, I've seen him. He's He's been out and about on the indie scene, like George said. He's been on dark and whatnot. Uh, he's definitely a talent, definitely one to watch for the future. So hopefully MLW, MLW continues to bring him in and we get to see him uh, get a little more offense in. But this was a, a, a essentially a, a squash for Quan. And, you know, after the match, he he goes and, and does a little interview. Yeah, Rich uh, Rich stops down at the ramp, does an interview. And he says, you know, how could you uh, be doing uh, what you did after, uh, you know, how could you be out here uh, after what you did to Jacob Fatu? And he goes, listen, I don't got to answer to anything I did to Jacob Fatu. Jacob Fatu has to answer. Contra made Jacob Fatu. We made the Samoan werewolf. If it wasn't for Contra, he would just be a Samoan pussy. And at that point, well... Not a surprise. Jacob Fatou comes from out the back. He knocks Quan in the back of the head. They go off fighting into the back entrance. Very dark. We didn't really get to see too much of what the brawl took place. Yeah. But Mads Kruger did appear, and it became a two-on-one assault. Eventually, security does reach them, um, and they separate them. But this feud is far from over. It's far from over. It's only still brewing. And I could see this going to another War Games-type situation where they, uh, they're they going to get locked in a cage and have to finish this. Yeah, but like... Come on, guys, put a put the light on the camera like that was almost pitch black. It was the, the exposure was so bright, it was so grainy and, and difficult to make out what was going on. I know you're trying to strive for realism and it's not like the back of a of a building is going to be lit up for for filming purposes, but at least have like the, the ca camera light on like that was almost impossible to watch. I couldn't see what was going on. So just kind of like that disastrous Barclay brawl, which I always throw out there, which was clearly the back of a loading dock. Yeah. It was not set in any form or fashion of an alleyway. It was was a loading dock. Yeah. So just, you know, criticism for, for this time. And I'm, not, I'm sure they, they're aware of it. Like, they watched it. They know the... the oh, absolutely. Was. They're aware of it. And like, like I said, we point out the good. We point out the bad. We yeah. point out the obvious, too. I mean, as a wrestling fan, if somebody's going to do an attack in the back, great. We expect these things. But just let us see it. Yeah, that's that's kind of the, where we're getting at. But still, nonetheless, the feud is far from over. Now we get another CD promo. He's on the phone and whoever he's talking to is still making him feel really stupid for the decisions he's made to go against Hammer. And he's pretty much says it's not my fault. It's Hammer's fault. And at this point, he's interrupted by the Morton or sorry, not the Mortons, the Von Erics, who the reason why I say the Mortons is because just before that, they were coming back from the taco stand. If you all remember last week, they went out to get tacos. Now they're back from dinner. They're saying, hey, you guys got any plans to make a night of it? And the Von Erich say, no, no. We got to go talk to CD. We have to get our titles back. They keep saying our titles, but they lost those belts quite a while ago. So I don't know why the Von Erichs think they have claim on the tag titles, but it's not their titles. Absolutely, it's not their titles. Right now, it is squarely in the hands of the greatest tag team in wrestling, period. And that's 5150. But anyways, they interrupt CD. They say they want their title shot. They want their titles back. CD says, you know what? It's not going to happen. It's not going to happen right now. But what is going to happen is MLW is a big fan of the names, the great names, the dynasties in wrestling. 
So next week, the Von Ericks will face the Mortons. And I believe, again, it was a little hard to hear because CD promos are always very difficult to hear. I believe the winner of this match becomes the number one contender for the tag titles. I believe that's what I heard. If I'm wrong, I'm wrong. But I believe that's what I heard. So that's where we're going. So the Von Ericks will have to take on the Mortons next week. And the winner will get a title shot at the tag straps. What's your thought process on that? Going at the Mortons. I mean, Ricky Morton is not a spring chicken. His son definitely is. But Ricky Morton is not... I don't think built to go up against either Von Eric on his best day right now, currently at his age. This is where um, <clears throat> being a real good booker is going to going to be necessary because I think there is a way to use wrestlers that are Ricky Morton's age mm-hmm. and ability, mm-hmm. and there's mm-hmm. a way not to. Mm-hmm. So it will be very interesting to see how this match plays out. I would be clearly expecting his son to be, Doing the majority oh, definitely of the carrying work. most of the load. Yeah, sure. let's hope so. But it, you know, it's still cool to see a guy that was a superstar when I was a little tyke still, you know, at least getting some work in in a ring on TV. It, it, it's cool. Uh, I'm I'm fully expecting the Von Erics to uh, win that and uh, take the number one contendership, and in which case we would have the Von Erics versus fifty one fifty. You know what? I've got. Uh... I've got a little, I consider myself an armchair booker. I consider myself pretty good with the storylines for MLW. You work with me on this one. I've got a storyline. I want to go down this rabbit hole, if you will. Let's say that the Von Erics face the Mortons. We already know there's chemistry there. They have a bond because of lineage and history and all that stuff. What if after this match, the Von Erics, you know, they get their title shot at 5150 or whoever may be the tag champions at the time when they eventually do get this shot and um, they don't come through. Maybe the Von Erics get frustrated. Maybe the Von Erics get angry. Maybe the Von Erics decide... No, we can't do it alone. Everyone's trashing our names these days. Everyone's trashing the legacy names in wrestling. Fuck it. Let's form a legacy. And maybe they get together with Ricky Morton's son. They form a little faction, if you will, called Legacy or called History or whatever they want to call it. Something to tie in the fact of their historic names in wrestling. The Von Erichs have a name in Mm -hmm. wrestling. The Mortons have a name in wrestling. Somewhere along the lines of that, because right now there aren't any factions, true factions, in MLW other than Boom IA, which really only has two people. One is an active wrestler, one is not. Um, Team Filthy is long gone. Contra is rebuilding. And, um, you know, 5150, Conan has been MIA for a bit because he is recovering uh, from surgeries and such like that. So it's pretty much just been 5150 with their manager, Julius Sparks. So, or Smoke, sorry, my apologies. So what would you think about actually developing another faction? Because there is a gaping hole in the roster, in terms when it comes to factions, also the implosion of Dynasty. There is really no more factions in MLW. That's <clears throat> that's an interesting possibility. What if here's a here's a here's a swerve for you? Hmm. What if the Von Erics do not win the match mm-hmm. and out of frustration they go heel, proceed to beat the hell out of out of the Mortons hmm. and flip heel? I would see that now. I would see that as a difficult thing to do because the Von Erichs traditionally are they don't go heel. beloved baby faces. Yeah, they don't go heel. But it's for that reason that a heel turn would be so impactful. Like, you know, when Hulk Hogan flipped heel. Okay, now hold on. You're like, talking... I'm not comparing talk- the Von Erichs no, to I'm Hulk not saying Hogan. you are, but you're talking about an, an icon in pro wrestling turning heel at the perfect time in wrestling. Right. With the Von Erichs, let's be honest. I love Ross. I love Marshall. They're great talents. But when it comes to mic work, they are nowhere of the caliber of a Hulk Hogan. 
they can't cut a promo barely as a face, it's going to be hard to sell them as heels. It's easier really to cut is. heel promos, first of all. And I, I, mm. I, I'm not saying I, I think they should do it. I'm just saying I could see it as a huge swerve mm. to make the Von Erichs flip heel and attack. And then, you know, because Ricky Morton can't compete because due to the attack, then there'll be some sort of rematch or something to get the Von Erichs into the title picture once again. I don't know. We're just, we're, we're speculating. We're throwing out we're ideas. balling, but I mean, both ideal is both different ideas, different pathways are quite possible. Just a heel turn, I think, for the Von Erichs would be difficult. It would be. It would be a difficult sell. But again, it's not impossible, just difficult. Crazier things have happened. Absolutely. Uh, and at that point, the Von Erichs go in. This match is announced. And then uh, they get interrupted by the clout couple, Alicia and Richard. They're walking in. And uh, they pretty much tell the Von Erichs to leave and go swimming. I didn't really understand Couldn't that line. Really, the audio was a little difficult. Very low on the audio. But uh, Holiday starts off saying, you know, CD, we got a security problem. You know, I was pretty much assaulted, stripped down to the bare bones, if you will, last week. And nobody came to his aid. And Alicia says, you know, nobody did anything for for Richard. And uh, Richard says, you know, we will get our own security. And whatever happens will be squarely on you, Durant. So either you fix it or we'll fix it. And then they leave. So there's definitely tension between which was once, and it's, uh, uh, I guess you want to say a... Uh, Business relationship. A business, yes, a business relationship made out of circumstances, convenient timing. There seems to be some tension there. So CD not happy, not happy with that. And now, right before we get our main event, uh, CD is kind of walking through the back way of the uh, room, and there's a storage room, looks like the electrical room, if you will. And Aries is just hanging out in there. He's just hanging out. CD walks in, and says, "I'm impressed. You have the makings to be the best luchador in MLW." Keep going down this path to darkness, and you will be rewarded. And he proceeds to hand him a Peter Pan pixie dust bag filled with gold coins. Well, so it's, it's, if you've, you ever played an RPG, that's what gold coins were kept in. Yes. Sorry, Link's, Link's coin purse from... A little, little tidy Zelda. little sum there. Yeah. So he gives him the uh, couple coins of gold. Eris seems to be very excited about that. He's going to go buy some merch, maybe a Microman shirt. Not sure, but he's very excited about these coins. And now it's made event time. 51-50 versus EJ and Duca, the judge, and TBD. Because we have no idea yet. We don't know. So 51-50 comes out. They cut a heel promo. Do great as always. Saying how they're uh, loving these redneck hillbillies up in Charlotte. <laughs> and this is where, this is the city where Michael Jordan was born. Incorrect. Michael Jordan was born in Brooklyn. <laughs> they quickly rectified that mistake. Michael Jordan became famous in Charlotte while being a member of the Tar Heels. But uh, everyone seems to think he's from Charlotte, but he's not. He was born in Brooklyn. He just came to Charlotte out of necessity. And South Carolina apparently has better barbecue. Yeah, South Carolina has way better barbecue, according to Slice Boogie. So North Carolina can't barbecue worth a shit. And at that point, EJ Duke has heard enough. His music hits. He comes out. He's waiting at the ramp. And all of a sudden... Boom, we hear music that we've heard so many times before. And out walks heavyweight hustle, Galvin Tankman. He's the mystery opponent. They both look ready. And 5150 looks unhappy that EJ, already a big boy, brings out yet another big boy to clearly uh, slice would have to carry the load in this match. Danny, you know, Danny's got the speed. Danny's got the agility. But he doesn't have the power to compete with either the judge or Calvin Tankman. 
So the match starts off and Danny got owned rather early by both men. Slice tried to get involved a few times, did not work well for Slice. A lot of times he was hit out from the outside to the point where at one point him and EJ were fighting on the outside. Danny went for a suicide dive. EJ ducked out of the way and he double kneed Slice right in the face onto the concrete. Danny was pissed. Just wrong move called out. Just, you know, bad luck, bad timing for 5150. But EJ and Calvin, they capitalized on it. It became a two-on-one at that point. Uh, quick tags, Danny getting hurt in the ring. And then EJ power slams him, tags Calvin in. And Calvin Tankman, it's a man who's over 300 pounds, runs to the corner, comes up with a full head of steam, and does a running shooting star press onto Danny Limelight for the one, the two, the three. We have new tag team champions and this blew our minds this was a swerve like no other swerve we were not expecting this because they've been building up 5150 and the Von Erics for so long I figured 5150 was going to hang on to the titles so for next week we can get the Von Erics versus the Mortons the Von Erics would win that and then we get the clash that we've been has been we've been waiting for ladies so, and gentlemen waiting for now with all this being said my prior idea makes a little more sense because you're going to have the Von Eriks against potentially EJ and Duca and Calvin Tangman who have now been called power and hustle power and hustle uh mm -hmm. so you're going to have four baby faces in the ring together so I feel like somebody's got to be the, the Von Eriks have to be fighting against something like they have to be fighting from underneath it's going to be difficult to work that match I think but who, who knows? Uh, it's also seen. not impossible to have two babyface teams. No, going no, at not each at other. all. It just has to be booked right. And MLW does a great job of booking these situations right, especially when us as fans can't seem to figure out if it would work properly. But if anyone could go over in a match, EJ and Calvin versus the Von Erics would be one hell of a fight when and if it happens. But I don't think 5150 is going to let these titles sit on EJ and Calvin for too long <laughs> without getting involved in this. Or also, maybe they recruit. Alex Kane, Boumaye, to help interfere, and that sets Calvin and and uh, and Alex right back up in the fold. And, and, it, that could easily be booked as well. And I'm sorry, like Danny and Slice are still on the top of their game as professionals right now. Tonight just wasn't their night. Yeah, you you would be dumb not to have them in the the tag team picture like regularly like it, this shouldn't be a situation of like oh they lost the belts and now they're back at the bottom kind of thing like they they better be still in contention this better be well, even a, let's be honest in the tag team division even back at the bottom they're only four now yeah and there better be like a three-way match that comes out of this or something a three-way tag match uh who knows i i think well i think we won't see a very long reign for power and hustle though i think it'll be an entertaining reign but regardless of the fact two guys we've been pushing for to finally get gold in mlw have it tag straps or not ej and duca calvin tankman they got gold around their waist rightfully deserved so your new tag team champions uh comment below let us know if you liked it or you, you hated it what you thought about the match what you thought about the swerve because again this is something we were not expecting so both of our jars jaws hit the floor i didn't know that they were going to lose not only that i didn't know that they were going to lose cleanly yeah they got 5150 lost clean there was no interferences the only thing that was the difference maker, again, was the suicide dive, the double knees. EJ ducked out of the way. Slice got all of that. That was the definite turning point in the match. But again, Calvin Tankman. Can we cannot say enough athlete. about Calvin wow. fucking Tankman? Okay? This man did a running 
shooting star press at 310 pounds. I can't even get out of my bed at close to 280 without being hurt in the morning sometimes. I'm I'm 180 and I, I I get tired going up the stairs. Absolutely, I get gassed. I get gassed for sure. Speaking of gas, Jesus Christ! No. Sorry, sorry, bro. <laughs> All right, guys. So that's it for this rewind. It's short. It's sweet. It's simple. It's right to the point. But next week we know is going to be a banger. Again, one match we know for sure next week is going to be the Von Erichs versus the Mortons, and it's going to be a clash of the names, clash of the legacies, if you will, in pro wrestling. So don't forget to hit that like button, hit that subscribe button. Turn on all notifications. You're going to get us each and every Thursday or Friday, depending on schedules or personal issues. But every Thursday for now, immediately following MLW on YouTube, which is at 8 p.m., you will get the rewind at 9. So peace, love, and wrestling. We'll see you next time. As always, I'm your host, your boy, George McKay. This is Uncle Bobby B, baby. If you want our socials, just click the link below. We've said them so many times. You'll find us. It's very simple. But the link tree is always in the description below. And that's it for this one. Peace, love, and wrestling. See you next time. Adios. Peace.